We'll start off in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, where I'm going to read uh, one of my favorite verses, Luke 12 and verse 32. And depending on which uh, translation or version you're reading, mine, the uh, New International Version, says this, Jesus speaking, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So, you know, I've been in big congregations, I've been in smaller congregations, and this is always encouraging because Jesus addresses the church as little flock. In fact, this is the only name that Jesus uses throughout all the Gospels to address the church. This is what he calls the church, little flock. And I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. You know, we used to think that uh, in our denomination, in our history, it was all about the name Church of God. It had to be called Church of God this or Church of God that. But the only name that Jesus uses is Little Flock. So that's the title of my sermon today, Little Flock. You know, people focus, I'm talking about Christians, they focus a lot on Jesus' personal invitation when he says, come to me or follow me. But as Jesus calls his sheep to salvation individually, his purpose is to unite them as a flock. That's why he created the church. That's why the church exists. One shepherd and one flock. Now in Matthew 16, verse 18, he talks about the foundation of this church or this flock. And Jesus comments here that he has built the church upon himself. He is the foundation and the cornerstone. He's speaking to the uh, uh, apostles here. He says that I tell you that you are Peter. He's speaking to Peter. And on this rock, Jesus here is talking about himself. He's not saying that I'm going to uh, build the foundation of the church on Peter. He's talking about the rock that he is. Jesus is our rock. Remember, we sing the song, Rock of Ages. He is our rock. He says, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. So Jesus is talking about his own personal divinity. He, that's what he has built the church on. That, what, that is what the flock is established on, on himself, Jesus Christ. It is his church that would be established on himself. He's the head of it. It's his church. He started the church with 12 apostles, kind of similar to the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament, showing the church is the new Israel of God. So the church has become the new Israel that God had planned and that Jesus has ordained. So back here to the original verse in Luke 12, verse 32. I want to go deeper into this verse because there's an awful lot said here by Jesus Christ when he says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now this verse here talks about the nature of the church. The nature of the church. And uh, I've got uh, three points to make here about the nature of the church. First of all, from this verse, the church is a flock. The church is a flock. Now, I don't think any of us have ever herded sheep, 
but that's what you do with sheep. You get enough sheep together, so it becomes a flock of sheep. Uh, sheep do well when they're put together in a group. Now, in Psalm 80 and in verse 1, in the Old Testament, God was referred to as a shepherd. Psalm 80 and verse 1. And in fact, in this verse, it's probably Jesus that they're referring to, the Son of God. It says in Psalm 80, verse 1, Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. So Jesus picks up on this symbolism of the Old Testament where in the Old Testament the Lord was called the shepherd of Israel. He took that metaphor and he applied it in the New Testament times to himself in the church. So Jesus was the good shepherd. His followers were his sheep. He, as the good shepherd, would lay down his life for his sheep. He would feed his sheep with living bread and he would shield his sheep from ravenous wolves, from all danger. So Jesus is the good shepherd. He pictures himself in the New Testament as the good shepherd, and the church is his flock, made up of individual sheep brought together and unified into a flock. Now, I wanna to turn to John 10, verse 14. Because Jesus again talks about the flock. John 10, verse 14, he even mentions here in talking to Jewish believers and non believers. Of course, the Jews in Jesus' day prided themselves as God's people by their heritage. They descended from Abraham, so they had to be God's people. But Jesus kind of taught otherwise. In John 10, verse 14, he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Now, what he's saying here is he had other sheep not of the Jewish fold, if you will, not of the Jewish heritage, but he's talking about Gentiles. He's speaking to Jews and he says, you know, my flock is going to include others. I've got sheep that you don't know about that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus establishes himself in a way that we can really understand. Even though we've never shepherded sheep, we kind of know enough about that to kind of picture Jesus as the good shepherd, leading his flock of followers, his sheep, the church. Okay, so that's the first point as to the nature of the church. The church is a flock. And again, back here to our original scripture, and Luke 12, verse 32, he goes on to talk about the Father, okay? God the Father. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. 
So this brings us to the second point in the nature of the church. Not only is the church a flock, the church is a family. Because we all have God as our Father. We're all children of the Father. All of the sheep in the flock are children of the Father's family. So Jesus, when he taught, he directed his followers, not only the apostles, but all the disciples, to understand that God the Father was not only his, Jesus' father, but if we follow Jesus, he becomes our follower. Remember in Matthew, I won't turn there, in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus taught the apostles to pray, Matthew 6, verse 9, he says, when you pray, pray this way, our Father. So Jesus was giving the apostles and all of his disciples permission to address his Father in heaven, God the Father, as their Father as well. And he's trying to teach us that, hey, when you follow me, you are part of God's family. He urged the disciples to believe that God was a father to them, a father who loved them and cared for them. And he urged all of his followers to trust that the father would supply all of their needs. And since we have God for our father, that makes us brothers and sisters, doesn't it, in Jesus Christ. So there's a special bond that we all share as members of the church. It's not just a physical group of people, like you would go to the Elks Club or to the Rotary Club or, and just kind of show up and have friends there. Our relationship goes much deeper because we all have the same spiritual father in heaven, God the Father. So since Jesus became our savior, since we chose to follow him, we are all related in a much deeper way. Notice what it says here in Matthew 23, verses eight and nine. Matthew 23, verses eight and nine, Jesus says this, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master and you are all brothers, and I might add sisters, and do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. So Jesus informs us about this relation that we all now have. And I think when we're related by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit, that relationship goes deeper than our physical relationship with our physical family our brothers and sisters that we may have. So the nature of the church, number one, the church is a flock. Number two, the church is a family. We all have the same Father in heaven, God the Father. And the third thing that Jesus said in that passage, Luke 12, verse 32, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So the church, number three, is also a kingdom. The church is a kingdom. The, the kingdom of God is not a territory. It's not located someplace here on earth that you could find on a map. The kingdom of God is the Father's loving rule in our lives. Okay, once we repent and accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior, 
we recognize God as the ruler over us in our lives. We submit to that. So to enter the kingdom of God or to receive the kingdom, as the scripture said, means to submit to the reign of God in our lives and enjoy all of its benefits. So that word submit is a very difficult word for a lot of people in the world because they don't want to submit to anybody, okay? In order to submit to God, you know, it means to humble yourself and to allow someone to rule over you. You know, the spirit in this world is to rebel against rulership, to rebel against anybody ruling over you or, or lording over you. So that's a real stumbling block for a lot of people to come to Jesus Christ. So God, we recognize not only as our father, but as our king, as well as our shepherd and our father. So the nature of the church, the church is a flock, the church is a family, and thirdly, the church is a kingdom. Uh, it's a flock, a family, and a kingdom. And, and it's a privilege to belong together, all of us, as sheep in the flock of God, as children in the family of God, and as citizens in the kingdom of God. That's what we are. That's what we are. So now, based on this same verse, Luke 12, verse 32, let's talk about membership in the church. How do we enter the church? Well, as we're going to see, membership in the church is based on your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how we enter the church. So we're talking about point number one, the church is a flock. The only way to enter God's flock is to be found by the shepherd. The flock, the Bible tells us, the church, is made up of sheep that were previously lost, but were found by the shepherd, were saved by the shepherd, and were brought into the flock. Now in Isaiah 53, verse six, Isaiah 53, verse six, this is the chapter where Isaiah prophesies the coming Messiah and what he was going to have to go through to suffer and die. But he puts this note in here, Isaiah 53, verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. So that's what the world is like, okay? Human nature, fallen mankind, you know, men and women. We've all been kind of rebels, just finding our own way to go, not wanting to be ruled over, not wanting to be told what to do. We've all gone astray. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one, the Bible tells us. So we were lost, including you and me. We couldn't find our own way based on our own intelligence or skill or ability. But the good shepherd came from heaven to seek and save the lost. So that's why we're here. We're a part of the flock. We've become members of the church 
because the good shepherd found us. We were lost. He found us and brought us into the flock. Now, a question that I ask myself so many times is why me? I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question. I know scads of people who I think would make outstanding church members, but they're not here. And they're not a part of any church. Why me? And you know what? I don't know why. <laughs> I've asked myself that question over decades now. And I don't think that the Bible is very clear as to why. It's based on God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. And I feel that I was called in kind of a special way. I don't know. Maybe it's a common way. I'm not sure. Because I can't get into other people's minds and hearts and know their experience with God. I'm here. I responded to the call. I'm glad that the Good Shepherd found me because I indeed was lost in this world and without any hope and couldn't save myself from anything. So why me? You know, maybe someday God will tell me. And maybe he'll tell you. But uh, that's how we come into the flock. That's how we become members of the church. The Good Shepherd found you. You were lost. He saved you and brought you into the flock. But what about this aspect of God's family? How do we become members of God's family? Well, to enter God's family, you enter it the same way that you enter your physical family. How did you enter your physical family? You were born, okay? That's how you became a member. That's how I became a member of the Dobridge family. One day, many, many years ago, I was born and voila, I'm a member of the family. How do you become a member of the family of God? Well, you are born again. You're born again. As Jesus explained to Nicodemus, and we read this passage uh, in John 3 a couple of months ago when we had a whole sermon on Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. What did Jesus try to explain to Nicodemus in John 3, verse 3? Jesus uh, declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So you enter God's family the same way you entered your physical family. But this is a different kind of birth. It's not a physical birth. It's being born again or born from above, born through the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 5 of John 3, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So all of us here made a decision at some point in time that we wanted Jesus to be our Savior. We realized we were sinners. We repented of our sins. And we ask Jesus to be our Savior. From that point on, we were born again. Amen. The change started. The change took place and it has continued on to, th to this time. So we're born again when we choose to put our trust in Jesus to be our Savior and Lord. So we're talking about church membership now. How do we become members of this flock of, of Jesus? Well, the only way to be a member of the flock is to be found by the shepherd and brought into the flock. That's what Jesus did for us. 
The only way to become a member of God's family is to be born again into that family, born from above. And then thirdly, how do we become members of the kingdom of God? Well, it's quite simple. You become a member of the kingdom of God or a citizen of the kingdom of God when you submit to the king and his rulership in your life. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 3, Matthew 18, verse 3, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you humble yourself, in other words. And that's what you need to do to repent. We're all called upon to repent when we accept Jesus as our Savior. And that means that you've got to realize that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. That, according to God's word, if you don't have a Savior, you will be required to pay the penalty for all the sins that you committed. And the penalty is death. So you've got to come to the point in your life, as he says here, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And that, again, is another big stumbling block for a lot of people in the world. Repent? What do I need to repent of? I'm a good person. Compared to a lot of people in this world, I think I'm a really good person. Well, according to God's word, no, you're not. <laughs> You're a sinner, just like everybody else. There is none righteous, no, not one. And as Isaiah said in his prophecy, all of our so-called righteousnesses, the good things that we think we do, are like filthy rags in God's sight. That's just reality. That's the way it is. So you, you know, we've got to come to the point, and I think most of us have, where we realize we have been sinners, And unfortunately, we, even though we're under God's grace, continue to screw up from time to time. But we're humble about it. We're realistic about it. We're not going to make excuses. We just have to come before our Savior and to tell him we're sorry and thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have the wherewithal to forgive us and to still love us. And that's something that an awful lot of people cannot come to do. So to become part of the kingdom of God, humble yourself and repent and submit to the king, God. And that means, well, as Mark, it says in Mark 10, verse 21, Mark 10 and verse 21, remember when the rich young ruler came running up to Jesus and said, you know, what do I have to do to, be, to make it into the kingdom and to, to make it to heaven and to, you know, be good in God's sight? And Jesus in that conversation told him about the commandments and things like that. He said, I'm good with that. I've, I've kept them all since I was a little kid. And then in Mark 10, verse 21, Jesus goes on to say to him, One thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Now, this man's hang-up was his money. So Jesus pointed that out to him and said, okay, if you're going to follow me, 
you got to get rid of what you're worshiping right now, which is your money. And in a similar way, God says the same thing to us. Forsake whatever Jesus tells you, you need to forsake and become a follower of Jesus. So for some of us, it might be one thing or another, whatever it is up to that point that we kind of worshiped and put in high priority in our lives. Jesus said, you know what, you need to leave that aside. Come follow me. That's how you're going to be in the kingdom. So we all have to take that personally and, and to say, okay, what is God working on in my life? What do I need to forsake and, and put of lesser importance than Jesus and become a follower of his? Now, Jesus is very clear that not everybody is going to enter the kingdom of God. Amen. And I'll turn here to Matthew 7. And he says it many times throughout the Gospels. So there are going to be people who are not going to be able to come to the point in their lives and in their hearts where they can humble themselves, admit that they're a sinner, submit to the rulership of God in their lives, be a follower of Jesus. Jesus says here in Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many who will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So it's all about a, an ongoing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? That's why... You know, the songs that we sing are mostly about Jesus <laughs> and telling him, you know, I love you, Lord. And uh, knowing you, Jesus, how important that is, what a blessing that is. It's all about our relationship with Jesus Christ and us being a follower of Jesus. I dare say, some of you old timers, if we had some of the folks who used to worship with us years and years ago who didn't like the whole message of grace and the importance of Jesus Christ who split off on other churches and went their own way. If they were to come back today and sit in on one of our services, I think a lot of them would be very offended. I hate to say that, but as we sit, stand here and sing songs about Jesus and how much we love him and how important it is knowing him and what a privilege that is, they're not ready for that. They would be turned off by that. And God has led us into this deeper relationship with Jesus, and that's what it's all about. We want someday to stand before our Lord at judgment time and for him to say, Matthew, my buddy, good to see you. He will, he'll, he'll say, Eddie, you know, I've enjoyed working with you all these years in your Christian walk. He's going to know us personally, and he's not going to say to any of us, who are you? I never knew you. That's what this is all about. That's why we're all the time drawing closer and closer to Jesus in relationship. Amen. So again, we've seen that the church is a flock that has been sought, found, and saved by the good shepherd, Jesus. The church is a family of God that has experienced supernatural birth by the Holy Spirit. 
and the church is a kingdom, the kingdom of God, whose citizens have submitted to the rule of God in their lives. We know God to be our refuge, our place of hiding in times of trouble. Now, it's necessary, and I haven't talked about this very much, that the flock belongs to a visible Christian community. And that's why we're here today in this building. And just before us, there was another Christian community, part of the flock of God who met together. And we're here because we've had a history together, most of us have, and we've been together for a long time, and it's a a wonderful thing. But God not only calls us to a flock, one flock, but all of us who belong to a flock also should belong to a visible local Christian community where we follow the rules of that particular community uh, if we belong to it. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your being a part of this Christian community, a visible Christian community, because the church, the body of Christ, is kind of an invisible entity. But when we meet in a building and have a sign out front or, you know, have a name to the, the, the church and the pastor, we're visible in the community. And that's important because God wants us to be like that, too. Now, in that first verse, Jesus told his little flock not to fear. What do we have to be afraid of? Well, the church has enemies. The main enemy that we have is Satan, the devil. Because Satan would like to do nothing more than destroy the church. And he is a very super powerful being that God created, but he is twisted and he has turned against God. So we have protection. He says, don't fear because I'm protecting you, God says to us. So even though we have enemies and sometimes even within this world, Satan works to attack the church and persecute the church. But he says, fear not, because God's in charge. And again, he also calls us a little flock because Jesus is saying that the church is always going to be a minority in the world. As I said earlier, the scripture says, wide is the road and nice and smooth is the path that leads to destruction. And many people are on that path. But rocky is the road and narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. That's the path we're walking, okay? So Jesus calls us little flock because he wants to remind us that throughout history and even to the end time, the church is going to be a minority in the world. And there's even some people who think that they are Christians who, if they're not following all these guidelines may not truly be. You know, you can be part of an organization, a visible church, but not be born again and not be submissive to the rule of God in your life. So God is going to sort that all out. But he encouraged us by by saying the safety of the church is ensured because it's God's church. And as it says, the gates of hell or death will not prevail against the church. We have God's word on that. So we're so thankful that Jesus, the good shepherd, found us lost and saved us. 
and brought us to his flock to be a member of it. We're also honored to be part of the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in that respect because we all have the same spiritual father. And finally, we're all citizens of the same kingdom because we have submitted to the king and his rulership in our lives. And that's something we have to continually remind ourselves about. We're seeking God's will in our lives. And sometimes God's will in our life conflicts with our own will in our lives. And I can remember many a time I said, God, I want to submit to you, but I just want you to answer this prayer in the way that I dictate to you. <laughs> you know, here's the way I want you to answer this prayer, God, but I'm submitting to you, you know. And a lot of times it turns out that the answer that God has is different. His will for me is different than my will for myself. But you know what? His will is perfect. And I, God has proven that in my lives many times down through the years. And I need to be reminded about that. It's God who is in charge, not me.